There's so many things that I'm embarrassed to say I've done. I was drifting through this life with no purpose. But God saw me differently. And now I'm changed in the best way. I have become permanently marked. fist bump three people let them know you're happy that they're here come on y'all know we got to get fired up today i know it's a tired cold day outside us yeah we go everybody in the back boom boom i see it yes boom boom yes 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 hey i'm uh if i haven't got a chance to meet you my name's tyler unless the cops are asking and you know you don't know who i am but it's all right uh i get to serve as the lead pastor here and i'm so excited that i get to continue this series called plan for change because what we've been walking through over these past few weeks is we know that transformations in our DNA, like we all yearn to change, don't we? Like there's, we always want to change and grow. And we know that the change that is sustainable, the change that marks us the most is the ones that leaves an eternal mark on our soul. So I, I'm so excited. The first week we were talking through this, we got to talk about picking change. And we talked about the lame man walking and we talked about how we first, to have the change we need, have to pick Jesus over all else. Last week, we talked about the power of change, and we talked about the Holy Spirit in our life and how the Holy Spirit moves and what the Holy Spirit reminds us of and how it gives us the power to make the change we need. And today, today we're going to be talking about planning for change. So we say it each and every week, we're going to be in the book of James, and I'm going to give some backstory there in just a moment, but... Our team each and every week, if you've got your Bible, we're going to be in James 1. Uh, we try to make sure that we have ways to make it as easy as possible to follow along with us. So if you've got the Bible app on your phone, I'm going to show you how you can follow along with us today as we pick up the book of James chapter 1. So I'm going to show you in a video how to do that. If you go ahead and download the Bible app or the Version Bible app from your favorite app store, you open that up, and when you open that up, you're going to want to make sure you click the More tab. And when you click the More tab, click Events. Make sure your location services is on so that way I can find you. Tough crowd. Uh, make sure your location services is on. Make sure you click the Vine TV Worship Experience. And when you do that, you're going to see the scripture that we're going to walk through today. You're going to more importantly find ways that you can take notes, but ways that we can connect with you. Because here's the thing. We want you to know that we believe life change happens best in Christian community. We want you to not walk through this season or walk through whatever you're going through in life alone. So we have ways that you can connect with us. We can connect with you if we can serve you or pray with you specifically in any way. So if you want to go ahead and get there, we're going to be in James 1. And before we dive into James 1, uh, I just want to say I would be remiss if I didn't talk about what we're about to celebrate tomorrow. So tomorrow we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Uh, and it's an incredible day. It marks something in our history where we as a nation decided what it was like uh, to literally love God and love others. It didn't matter, red and yellow, black and white, they are all precious in his sight. And that's what we decided as a nation we were gonna do. And Dr. Martin Luther King, King excuse me, captured that. And what I tell you heaven is gonna look like is what he's talking about. Now, he may have had a dream, but it's actually a vision of what heaven was gonna look like because heaven is promised to have every nation, tribe, tongue will be all confessing Jesus as Lord and will be praising him forevermore. And so what I love, the reason I wanted to share that with you is 
If you've never read Letters from a Birmingham Jail, I would encourage you to read that today. It's actually free online. Google that, read that, and you might be shocked to see how far we've come in the church, believe it or not. Even though we're not where we need to be, we definitely aren't where we used to be, but it's by the grace of God, and it's because Martin Luther King was willing to stand up and say something needed to change. And so as we celebrate that tomorrow, I would just encourage you to read that. See what you can glean from that because that's what I see for the vine. It's not about one race. It's not about one color. It's about heaven on earth being pictured here. And I love that we get to celebrate that as a nation tomorrow. So uh, I I would be remiss if I didn't start that way. I'm thankful for the, the message and the boldness and the courage of Martin Luther King as he stepped into that Uh, Gosh, what, 60 years ago now? Has it been about 60 years? It's been that long, the civil rights movement. So uh, that being said, that's where we are. So we're going to pick up in the book of James. So let me give you some backstory on that. James. James is Jesus' younger brother. I don't know if you know that, but James is Jesus' younger brother. Believe it or not, at Thursday night greenhouse gathering not too long ago, we got to talk about this. We got to walk through the book of James, and we got to talk a little bit about that. But imagine being James growing up. Like, you know mom and dad were like, can't you just be more like Jesus? Like, imagine living with that. Like, for real, for real. Like, can you imagine living in that lifestyle? Like, yeah, I'm trying. Like, I'm literally trying to be more like Jesus. Like, isn't that what this Christian thing's about? Like, following Jesus step by step. Like, literally. Can you imagine being James, the brother of Jesus? And believe it or not, most of the time in James's life, while Jesus was having his earthly ministry, he rejected a lot of his teachings. He rejected Jesus. But then we have this thing called the crucifixion and the resurrection. And when a resurrected guy who's your brother comes back to you and reveals himself to you, you can't help but give yourself fully to him. So James gives himself fully to God to follow him step by step. So any animosity he had with his brother was reconciled then because Jesus died for his sins. So he was good to go. And James became a pastor and he wrote this letter. And that's where we're going to be at today as we're talking about this plan for change but it just made me think of the perspective of James think about this as Jesus as your brother growing up and then being completely changed because see James understood that he had to pick Jesus to have the change he needed he understand he understood that the Holy Spirit was coming to give him power but there's also some things that we can do for the change we need we got a plan for the change we need so today if you've got your Bible we're going to be in James 1 And we're going to start out in verse 21, okay? James 1 and verse 21. And it says this, therefore, say therefore. I hear you, therefore. So anytime you hear therefore in the scripture, it means he's pointing back to something that happened before, right? I think that's right in English. Any English teachers here? Is that right? Like, therefore, it goes back to something, right? Like, there was something there. And so James starts his letter talking about sin in our life and how sin starts as a desire and as a thought And it gives birth to action in our life, and that sin is conceived in our mind, and then we sin, and then when we sin, it always leads to death. So understand, he's talking about the sin in our life, the change we want, versus the change we need. So he's saying, therefore, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. And you're probably thinking right now, this is the day I picked to come to church. Yes, this is the day you picked to come to the vine. That's awesome. Because here's the thing I want to tell you. As, as James is talking about this today, I just want us to look at what our life is right now as we're talking about this change in this new year. And I just want us to start where James is before I give you point number one. And I want us to lay down all the wicked and worthless things in our life that are holding us back. 
That's literally what James is saying. There are things in our life that are wicked and worthless. The changes that we want, they start as desires. And sometimes what happens is that change that we want, it gives birth to sin in our life. And every time there's sin in our life, it will always lead to death. Always, like a 100% chance of death when a sin in our life. And so none of us are perfect, and we're following Jesus step by step, but when we're talking about the change we need over the change we want and planning for change, I just want us today to take a moment at our life, examine our life, and understand that there are wicked and worthless things in our life that we can lay down today because we were never meant to carry it, but we so often do, don't we? So today, if you're taking notes, how in the world do you plan for change in your life? So James, number one thing you got to do to plan for change in your life is this, welcome the word. Welcome the word. And I'm not talking about the bird here as being the word. I'm talking about the word of God. You've got to have a posture in your life where you're welcoming the word. You've got to create space in your life where you're welcoming the word. Because here's what happens. So many times in our life, I wrote this, this wonderful quote down. And I'm laughing already. I hadn't even shared it with you. Uh, so many times in our life, um, I think about we here in our life, we're supposed to be humble and meek right? Like our posture should be one of humility and meekness. But a lot of times we take that meekness and treat it like weakness. But you see, realistically, humility is just strength under control. So when we're welcoming the word and we're having this posture of humility saying, like we talked last week, God, send me, God, use me, God, do what you would do inside of me. And we have that posture It's amazing the plans that we can make for change, but the change that not only happens inside of us, but happens through us. So we've got to be at a place where we welcome the word in our life. I love how it talks about right here. If you look back at verse 21, it says, accept the word that's what? Planted in you. Hey, we're at the vine. There's nothing better to talk about than plants at the vine. Don't make me keep them. I might struggle there. But plants at the vine, the word planted inside of you. Did you know the word of God has been planted inside of you? since the foundations of the world? It's up to you what you choose to do with it, though. What's been planted inside of you is so important. So I wanted you to know, when I think about this parable of the sower, we talk about this all the time, scattering seeds, if we've ever heard it in church, and there are a couple different types of soil. Today, if you want to welcome the word in your life, here's your job as a Christian. Be the good soul. Just be the good soul. Don't be the rocky soul that is hard, not willing to love, not willing to accept what God's telling you. Don't be the thorny soul that just chokes out every bit of life around you. Don't be the weed that springs up so quickly and it dies the first time the sun hits it. Be good soul. And when the seed of the word is thrown on you by the sower, by the gardener, you'll accept it. And not only will you accept it, it'll take root and grow inside of you. And when it grows inside of you, it can't help but overflow. So today, as you're welcoming the word, you know, I talked to you about this posture. How many folks work out in here? Uh, Alex was up here earlier. That's his bicep on the new promo is what it is. Uh, He hasn't told Brittany yet that he's got a tattoo, but we're saving that for the anniversary in the marriage series. I think that's what we're doing, even though that was just here recently. Uh, For real. So you work out. So let me ask you this. If you're working out, let's take that word posture and call it form. How important is your form when you work out? It's pretty important, right? It's probably one of the most important things you can do. If you're one of those CrossFit creatures, your posture matters. Like, it matters. You have to get form right first before you can move into weights. 
like your form, your posture is right. But yet so many times in following Jesus, we think our posture doesn't matter. We think that our heart doesn't need to be humble. We think that we don't have to create space for the word to be welcomed in. We think, well, if I just go through the motions and I just do it day by day, something will happen. Now, we talked about the first week, yes, you need to create the space to do it day by day, but you also need to examine your heart and say, am I willing to welcome the word? There's word planted inside of me. And listen, let me tell you, this is why some of us struggle with this posture. Like I said, working out, like if I went to go work out, and uh, you put 20 pounds in my hands right now. There might be a problem. And I started curling, and I started going like this with my back. We got some chiropractors in the room soon to be. That would probably tear my back up, right? Like my posture would be wrong. So how long could that change be sustained? Not long at all. Yet if I have the right posture and following Jesus, ready for his timing to do what he wants me to do, and my heart is ready to welcome the word, that word that's planted inside of me now has good soil to fall on because my posture is correct. I wonder how many of us are struggling with posture today. How many of us pray for the change we want over the change we need, right? So much so, let me tell you, this is why some of us struggle with, with the word planted inside of us. I went to Psalm 92, 13. And I was going to talk to you from Psalm 19. If you ever want to look at the Word of God and know what the Word of God means, read Psalm 19 sometime in your quiet time. If you're ever looking for something to read in your quiet time, it talks about the Word of God and how you can welcome the Word. We're not going to be there today, but I was looking at Psalm 92, 13. And what does it say you have to be to, be, to have good soil? Psalm 92, 13 says this, Planted in the house of the Lord, they will, what does that say? Say it with me, flourish. Flourish in the courts of God. Before you can really see the word planted inside of you, you got to be planted somewhere in the house of the Lord. You got to take up roots. So many times I can tell you where we are in the church today is we're afraid to take and put roots down. I get it. I get it. I totally get it. I've been hurt by the church too. But I've noticed anytime I've said, all right, God, whatever you want to do with this, do it. It's amazing the things that have happened. As a matter of fact, it's so amazing. We had people here before the sun came up this morning, <laughs> setting all this up, preparing chairs for people to hear about the word of God so they could welcome the word in their life and hoping and praying that they would be bold enough to be willing to be planted in the house of the Lord because they knew if they're planted in the house of the Lord, they can't help but hear the word of God. And when they hear the word of God, the word of God that's planted inside of them will sprout and grow. So I want to tell you, if you're watching online, we're waiting for you. <laughs> we have people who pray over your chairs every week. And we would love for you to be planted with us. Maybe it's the first time hanging out with us, or maybe it's your second time hanging out with us. Would you be willing to be planted with us? Would you be willing to trust God to lay down roots in your life? Because God promises us that if we're planted in the house of the Lord, you will flourish. You know, I've gotten to hear some pastors a lot of times online, and, and I, there are people who abuse the church. I get it. But I've heard some folks say, hey, you're trying to make money off a book people can read at home for free. Well, guess what? I get to work for free. So I don't have to, you don't have to worry about that in this church. But more importantly, God didn't intend for us just to read the Bible and not be rooted in his house. As a matter of fact, from the beginning of time when he took the Israelites, from the beginning when he took the Israelites out of Egypt, he said, I want a house so that my spirit can be filled in them. We get to be houses ourselves. We get to be temples. And he said, I want you to be in my house with my people doing life. That's why we at the Vine Church believe life change happens best in Christian community. Because you got to be with each other. you got to be planted and rooted in the house of the Lord before you can really have that soil that's welcoming the word that's inside of you. 
So I'm just asking you today, maybe, maybe, thir- maybe, maybe Sunday doesn't work for you, but Thursday does. Come hang out with us at Thursday night greenhouse gathering. Maybe Sunday's not a time frame for that. Thursday night greenhouse gathering is called a greenhouse because I'm not here to pressure you or push you to it. I'm just saying right now we are a new church and we meet Sundays at 10 a.m. And you say, I work third shift. That don't quite work for me. That's cool. You can watch us online during the week, and we're so thankful that you make space to do that. But also know that we have a community of people wide open, not just the Vine Church. It's wide open, a place where good soul can be open to welcome the word, a place where you can leave better than how you walked in. That's why it's called a greenhouse. Come hang out with us anytime. Maybe you get to come once a year. That's fine. Come hang out with us. See what God has for you. We have great food. Always have great food. Uh, we have. I can't promise you the message is always perfect and on point, but I promise you Jesus will be spoken, and I promise you the fellowship that you will have is you will know that you aren't doing this alone. So come hang out with us Thursday nights at 625. It's at my house, so be gentle. Uh, it is at my house, so we have a good time there. Uh, but we'd love to get details to you. Just email us at hello at thevine.tv. We have a Facebook group. Uh, We have a great time together. So if you would like to be a part of that and be rooted in the house of the Lord, it doesn't just have to happen on Sundays. It can happen on Thursdays. And isn't that cool? Isn't that awesome, the God we serve, that he makes space for us to do that? Like, it's just awesome. So number one, if you're planning for change, welcome. Welcome the word. Now, this is the one y'all going to have to put, pump the brakes on me, okay? So I'm going to go ahead and give you the authority in the back to throw something at me if I go a little long on this. I see some excitement. I don't know what's happening here. This is great. It's going to be that kind of Sunday. This next one I could spend talking about all day because you know your boy. So I just want to prepare you. As we get into James, we're going to be talking through verse 22 through 25 next. But uh, I just want to tell you, when we get to this second point, I might talk too long. and That's okay. I just believe that God's got something for you in it. So hang in here with me in it, okay? So, number one, what are we doing? We're welcoming the word, right? Welcome the word. Not bird. Jesus' words. God's word. Welcome the word. So, we're going to continue on. James 1, verse 22 says this. Do not merely listen to the word. Do not merely listen to the word. And so, deceive yourself. Do what it says. So after we've welcomed the word, we got to do what it says. How crazy awesome is that? Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. Say that with me, freedom. You know, that's what Jesus wants for you today, freedom. Freedom from the wicked and worthless things in your life. Freedom to do and be exactly who he created you to be. He doesn't want you to walk around in chains. He doesn't want you bogged down with those things that don't matter. He wants you to have freedom. That's why he came. John 10, 10, he says, I came so they could have life and have it to the full. He wants you to have freedom. He wants you to have freedom. And continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but once again, what does that say? But doing it. And what does it say they will be? They will be blessed in what they do. They will be blessed in what they do. So I've heard it said this way, so this isn't the second note, so hang in here with me, but it's literally this. Listen to Jesus and do what he says. So you welcome his word, but you listen to Jesus and do what he says. So what, what can we be by that? Well, put into practice what the word is telling you. That's number two. Put into practice. So you welcome the word, you put into practice. So you listen to Jesus and do what he says. You welcome the word you put into practice. So what does he talk about here? 
I'm sure everyone thought my vanity was why I had this mirror in, the, uh, in this today. So what is he talking about here? So I got to thinking about this. So we put into practice. So it says this. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to be one-on-one with James here. I'm trying to figure out what James is saying because I'm like, James, you're my dude. I'm a little brother. I'm the youngest brother. So I get it. I know what's happening in your life. Sometimes that sibling rivalry can happen. So what do you mean by this thing about the mirror? Hang in here with me. So he says, someone who doesn't listen to the word and do what he says, like a man who looks in the mirror and forget what he looks like, forgets what he looks like. Picking up what I'm laying down? Probably. I hope so. Here's what I started thinking about. Why do I look in the mirror? I usually try to see if I got a problem, right? Is my hair a problem? Got something in my teeth? I need to work out. Yes. So, like, I've got, I look in this mirror, and what it does, though, is this mirror is kind of like the Bible, the Word of God. The word of God that we read every day. This mirror, listen, listen, listen. If I look in this mirror and say, my hair needs to be fixed. Oh, I got to get some out of my teeth. Probably didn't work. Or I need to work out. Nope, no six pack. This mirror right now, listen, listen, listen. This is what the word of God does. It's like this mirror. It just reveals the problem. You got to fix it. You got to listen to the word of God that you've welcomed, but you got to do what it says. It's just like reading the Bible. That's what he's saying by looking in the perfect law. The Bible is known as the law. When you look in the mirror and you look in the perfect law of what God's telling you to do, you got a choice. Will you do it or not? That mirror's just telling me that I've got something in my teeth. I got a choice whether I'm going to pick it out or not. That's up to me. That's what the Word of God is for each and every one of us. So we've got to put it into practice. So much so, I know right now a lot of us are in this place where maybe God's called you to do something. I've heard it said this way, and, I, and I'll stick to it this way and say it. Delayed, disobedient, delayed obedience is basically disobedience. Because here's what I've noticed. If I look in that mirror and say, man, I sure am in the image of God, right? Or if I say, man, I need to work out. Eh. <laughs> Krispy Kreme, like, and I just go tear it up all the time. Then I go back to that mirror and say, man, I need to work out. Just Krispy Kreme, Krispy Kreme. Man, I need to work out. What good is it doing? Not any. But when God's saying, you need to work out, Tyler, I'm talking to you in a voice that you can understand. You need to work out. I have to listen to it and do what it says. As a matter of fact, I've got to do it instantly. He calls us to do it instantly. He doesn't tell us to wait because there's always going to be an excuse, right? Well, that food, that, those Krispy Kremes have been sitting there for like three days, and they're going to go bad, and God, I know you've been on me about my budget, so I can't throw them away, right? Like, I can't throw it away, so somebody's got to eat them, and if there's somebody, God, like, you know, you can do all things, Lord. Like, right? We can find an excuse, right? Won't you always find an excuse? I always find an excuse, especially if I don't act right away. So much so, like, uh, as we do these Bible reading plans, by the way, you can go to thevine.tv. We've been trying to read Bible reading plans together. I have some friends on the Bible app that we've been trying to read some plans with. I can't tell you it's perfect, but I'm telling you, we believe that God shares something with you. So if you want to hang out with us and do that, one of the, the, the comments that were shared this week is a picture, and it made me think about putting into practice what Jesus said. And maybe you've seen it online somewhere. It's a picture of a little child with a teddy bear standing in front of Jesus. 
Little child's got a teddy bear. And Jesus has got a big old teddy bear behind his back. And he's looking at the little child and says, trust me and give me that teddy bear, will you? It made me think about putting God's word into practice. So many times we like to hold on to that little teddy bear because we don't believe he's got greater in store for us that's upcoming. If we just trust him and act in obedience right away to what he's called us to do, man, we could have that big fluffy teddy bear. Like we could have a big teddy bear instead of a little raggedy, beat up teddy bear. But we like to hang on to that little wicked, worthless thing in our life, that little bitty teddy bear more than we trust God to give it up to him. So I wonder today, are you putting into practice the word of God? Because just like that mirror can only reveal, here's what I want to tell you. Here's what's not putting in to practice the Word of God. You know, so many times you can fill your head with Christian podcasts. You can memorize this Bible from front to end, sing every worship song. You can serve at the soup kitchen. Matter of fact, you can empty your bank account and give it to a church. It doesn't have to be this church, and you're still never going to be righteous enough to be saved by God. But yet, yet, So many times, God just calls us to do that after we've received Jesus by faith that he's our Lord and Savior. After we've welcomed the word, we can put it into practice. But yet, when I look at the church and I look at everyone around us, that's exactly what they're trying to do is check off all the boxes and be perfect. And the reason that folks struggle with church is because they think they have to be perfect to walk in it. And us as Christians, we have a choice. Do we project perfection or do we just point them to perfection? And when he's called you to do something and you obediently do it, you're pointing to perfection. You're not projecting perfection. But when he's calling you to something and you're being disobedient, but you call out the disobedience in others to make yourself feel better, that's when you have a problem. That's when you're not putting into practice what Jesus says. You're continuing to look in the mirror and just reject what's in the mirror every time. So church, I want us to be known as a church that says, hey, I ain't got it all together. I looked in the mirror today, and I'm just as messed up as you are, but for by the grace of God, I was saved by Jesus Christ coming down to this earth, living the life I couldn't live, died the death that I deserved on the cross, and by his grace, I continue to grow in him. So when you welcome the word, you put it into practice, here's what happens. Matthew 7 shares this story. I told you all, I could go forever on it. I can't wait. Matthew 7 shares this story. If you grew up in church, you know about this story. It says, hey, I'm going to take two people and put them in the exact same situation. It's the story of the house built on the rock. But when I was getting ready for this, I started looking at Matthew 7, 24, and it's something that pointed out, it's something that, that, that was different, different in this, in this one. I was like, man, you know, I never noticed that before. And you know how sometimes the Lord just speaks to you? You know, when you, when you got there, it made me think of, of the, the two people. So here's what happens if you've never heard the story. There are two people. They build these big, beautiful houses. Like, they got it together. Like, Chip and Joanna Gaines ain't got nothing on them. Like, they got it together. And what ends up happening is one builds their house on sand, and one builds it on the rock. And growing up in church, we talked about the rock. I'm built on the rock. I'm ready to go. I'm built on the rock. I'm built on the word of God. I know everything that's going on, right? Like, here's what happens. Jesus says, the exact same storm goes by these two people. And even though they both knew how to build the house, even though they both knew what was going on, it was the foundation that kept them up. And I started thinking, okay, the house on the rock survived. The house in the sand sank. So the foundation is what kept them up. And we just said, hey, know the word of God. That's what I was always taught growing up. Just know the word of God and that's your foundation. When I was getting ready for this, I looked at verse 24 and I was talking about how in the world can I plan for change? Well, if I'm trying to put something into action, into practice, 
this is where that point came from, by the way. Matthew 7, verse 24 says this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and what? Puts them into practice. So easy to miss that when I was growing up. Because I was just told I had to hear the word to be built on it. I don't have to do anything. You see, in our human economy, we have it flipped upside down. We think we have to do everything to be righteous to hear the word. But in God's economy, it's the other way around. We hear the word, then we do. And it says when they, put, when they do that, they put them into practice. They're like the wise man who built their house on the rock. So if you're struggling with putting into practice today, I want to give you two scenarios, scenarios of how this can work. I heard it said this way, the first way, and I love it. And this isn't on your notes, so hang in here with me. This isn't going to be on your notes, so hang in here with me. Information plus application equals transformation. Say it again. Information plus application equals transformation. Information, God's word, plus application, applying it, equals transformation, i.e., change we need, change that last. So it's one thing for me to have all the information of God's word, but then I have to apply it, and I have to put it into practice. And when I do that, all of a sudden transformation happens. But where we can get stuck is we think, if I just feel myself, like I said, you can listen to all the Christian podcasts in the world, you can know all the verses of the Bible, and you, and you still are just as lost as a person who's never heard who Jesus Christ is. That's not what gets you saved. It's application, receiving by faith that Jesus is who he says he is. You have the information. How do you apply it? That equals your transformation. So, so many times in our life, we like to go information plus 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 information. And we get mad because we don't have transformation. And here's what happens. The reason that we are is this is what happens in our life. We have information plus self-deception equals inoculation. Hear me out. Information plus self-deception, the change we want, we deceive ourselves thinking it's the change we need. Information plus self-deception equals inoculation. Information plus self-deception equals inoculation. Information plus application equals transformation. Here's what I'm going for. Because we deceive ourselves, we inoculate ourselves to the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Because every time the Holy Spirit convicts us, we look to everyone else when we deceive ourselves. We can take all the information that God has, and then all of a sudden he's calling us to make a change in our life, to give up the teddy bear, and we're mad because somebody else has a bigger teddy bear than us. We deceive ourselves thinking that that person has something, that person has something I want, and that's more than what God wants to give me. And so our information then has our self-deception, and it leads to inoculation, which means we become so deaf to the Spirit speaking to us, and it's because we weren't obedient. So my question is, information plus self-deception equals inoculation. Are you inoculated to the Word of God right now? What's the last next step Jesus told you to take? And did you take it? It's a hard question. A real hard question. But if I'm not real, we all got to be real. I'm not here to stand in judgment of you because I'm going to tell you, Billy Graham said it so well, and I live by it. It's not my job. It's God's job to judge. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. And it's just my job to love. And I love you enough to tell you, if God's called you to take a next step, it's time to take it, whatever it is. I don't know what it is. I pray for you daily, and I, as I hope you pray for me daily to take the next steps God's calling me to take. What's the last next step he told you to take? Did you take it? 
Are you fighting him? Are you telling him your teddy bear's good enough that his teddy bear will never be enough because you're mad that the friend down the road's got a better teddy bear, right? So information plus application will equal your transformation. That's the change we keep. That's the change that lasts, the change we need. But our information plus self-deception is our inoculation to hearing the Holy Spirit in us. And those are the Pharisees that Jesus talked about so, so much, who, ten, who tithed a tenth of everything, who served in the church, were born in the right way, but yet didn't live out God's word. So, number one, welcome the word. Number two, good, we, we lasted. I didn't get anything thrown at me. I'm excited. Uh, we lasted. Number two was to put into practice. Number three is coming up, James 1, 26. Those who consider themselves religious, yet do not keep a tight ring on their tongues, deceive themselves. Their religion is what? Worthless. Number three, if you're planning for change in your life, speak carefully. Number one is to welcome the word. Number two is to put into practice. Number three, speak carefully. This is one I struggle with the most. I ain't going to lie to you so many times, right? How many of you have ever stayed up late at night because you took the time to listen to someone? You did? Right, right. And did you regret it? Now, how many of you stayed up late at night regretting that you said something you shouldn't have and you didn't speak carefully? (laughs) That's like 100% participation, right? So if you're trying to plan for change in your life, you got to speak carefully. you got to guard your tongue. And that's the hardest thing in the world because i got it together. It doesn't mean you don't speak truth. It doesn't mean that you keep your mouth shut all the time. I will tell you that's not it. It's that you speak carefully. You've got to speak life to everyone around you. You've got to encourage everyone around you because that's what God's called us to do. It's not my job to convict you. It's not my job to judge you. I don't care where you were last night, and I don't care what you did last night. I still love you no matter what, and I want to walk with you step by step, whatever you did. I want to walk with you step by step through that season, and I'm going to point you to Jesus in it. It's up to him what he does with it. I just get to love you in the process. So I've got to speak carefully. Now, growing up, I had uh, my grandmother used to tell me this, uh, and I wish I, I wish I would always heed this advice, but I'm going to tell you. She always said this, keep your mouth shut, and people will believe you're a fool. But when you open it, it'll confirm it. So I want you to know, hear me out again, keep your mouth shut, and people will only believe you're a fool. But open it, and it'll confirm it. So you got to watch your words. you got to watch your words. you got to know what to do. you got to speak life to everyone around you. Listen first. You know, I was growing up, and I started thinking about how I struggle with listening. I'm, I feel like James was probably that way because Jesus probably his whole life was just like, I'm the son of God. And James was like, shut up. You're my brother. Like, <laughs> I know your mom. Like, we have the same mom, right? Like, I know better. Like, right? They were probably sitting there. And I started thinking growing up in elementary school, one of my favorite things when I think about speaking life is I used to get I was caught being good stickers. Did anybody ever get those? I love getting those I was caught being good stickers. <laughs> I don't think I was a bad kid. Maybe I was, and I thought about it so much. Like, I loved getting those stickers. Like, I was caught being good. Like, there it is. Like, what if we lived our life as Christians telling everyone that they were caught being good instead of telling them how bad they are and how they're, how terrible they are and how awful they are and everything the world's telling them not to do and how they don't fit the mold of who we think they should be? What if we just walked around and our words were, I was caught being good stickers? What if we spoke carefully that way, church? Like, how much different would people view Christianity, 
and the church if that's the life we lived. So if we're planning for change in our life, we got to speak carefully. Last, James 1.27 says this. <clears throat> Religion that, our, that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. What James is saying here is remember the wicked and worthless things we should get out of our, get out of our life because God created us and accepts pure and faultless. It can only happen through Jesus Christ, by the way. None of your works can get there. But what are we supposed to do with that pure and faultless life that we're supposed to live? Look after orphans and widows in their distress. The message version says it like this, and I love it. It doesn't say the orphans and widows. It says the homeless and the loveless. We're supposed to walk around. We're supposed to walk around serving the homeless and the loveless. The homeless and the loveless. So number three, or number four, excuse me. Number one was, was welcome the word. Number two, put into practice. Number three, speak carefully. The last point I have for you today is serve consistently. Serve consistently. You see, James is saying, I've heard a lot of people talk about change with their words, but I certainly had not seen a lot of people do it. And what sets you apart as a Christian is listening to Jesus and doing what he says, living it out. But how do you do that? By serving the homeless and the loveless. What better way could you live life? I don't think there's any other mission in the world to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth that's better than loving the homeless and the loveless because that's a full-time job right there, isn't it? If you know me, I'm not homeless right now, thank God, because of Jesus I have an eternal home, but, like, I'm not homeless, but I guarantee you at times I probably feel pretty loveless. Like, there's times you probably be like, that guy needs some love. There's something going on in his life. And I wonder how many people Jesus puts in our path like that lame man we talked about the first week that just needs somebody to love them right where they are, that just needs to know that there is a home and eternity for them they'll just receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Like, there is a place for them. They are not a misfit. They are not an outcast that they were created on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. And all of a sudden, when they accept Jesus, they have the power to change the thing that they need in their life, the thing that has to happen in their life. They've got to have Jesus first. They have the power to change. Then all of a sudden, these plans for changing can take place. These plans for growing, these plans for putting down roots, these plans for being all that Jesus made us to be. And I just want to ask you, have you been able to live that life? Because I've noticed in my life the change that I want to see in me and I, I go out into the world and serve the homeless and the loveless and the change I want to see in the world, all of a sudden I'm changed. The change I want to see in me, I can't do by myself. It happens by me serving the homeless and the loveless and I see that I'm changed. And all of a sudden, like Rocky with the Russian, like if I can change and you can change, we all can change. And that's for real. That's where we are. I understand the change I most want to see in me only happens by me serving people that God's called me to serve. If it's all about me, I never really change. Maybe it's just me. I don't know, but I'm telling you, if you really want to see what happens in your life and you've got a change that you're struggling with and God's called you to do it, maybe you should just serve consistently. John the Baptist said it so well, he must increase and I must decrease. Because here's the thing that I know. When love throws through, flows through you, 
it always leads to blessing. We say it every week at the Vine Church. What is it that we're created to be? We're created to be the church that brings the gospel to the world instead of being the church turned upside down by the world. And we do that in how we what? Love God and love others. That's how we serve. We love God and love others right where they are. Even when they have questions, even when they tell you that God is worthless, God doesn't exist, we love them right there because it's not our job to do anything else. We serve consistently. So, maybe you're trying to figure out how you can serve consistently. I want to let you know, here at the Vine Church, I know it can be really short notice, but if you ever want to know the why behind the what of the Vine, we have our sowers class coming up this Tuesday, January 19th, or January 22nd, excuse me, today's the 20th, that would be a problem, or Tuesday, February 19th at 6 p.m. You can register at hello at thevine.tv. And so I know it's really short notice, so if you can't make it this month, that's totally fine. Let's make it next month. We'd love to prepare for you. We have dinner. We have child care. We want to tell you the why behind the what. And we have to know a little bit in advance so we can prepare for folks to be there. But we want to tell you how we plan to love God and love others. We want to tell you the part that we're called to play as the body of Christ. We want to let you know. And if you've never been there, I promise you, you'll get to hear my story. If you think you laugh here, you'll probably laugh a lot there. It'll be good times. But if you want to be a part of serving consistently, I just want you to know, would you welcome the Word of God today and understand that you can put roots down and and you can put into practice the Word of God? And would you just trust, trust, trust that by you speaking carefully, you could totally serve consistently and make a change? Because I've noticed when I rise up to be the change, like I said, the change I want to see in me, and I serve the world when I rise up to be the change, it's amazing how changed I am. Tomorrow we celebrate someone who rose up to be the change. We get to live in the changed world for it. But he couldn't have rose up to be the change if there wasn't someone who went before him that rose from the dead to be the change that the entire world needed. That's Jesus. And so today, as you're trying to plan for change, you're trying to stay unpolluted from the word, excuse me, the world, I just want you to ask yourself, are you welcoming the word in your life? putting into practice what it says? Has Jesus called you to a next step? And have you obediently taken it? Are you just fighting him tooth and nail on it? Because your teddy bear is so much more important than the one he wants to give you. Have you watched your words? Have you spoke life to those around you? I struggle with that. So I can tell you there are times in my life when I wish I would say I was. I was doing it perfectly. But Jesus has always, Jesus has been working on that in me. Because it's my job to speak life and not speak what the world says that person is, but who Jesus says they are, who God created them to be. And I only can do that by serving them. One of Jesus' last acts when he went to the cross was he knelt down and he served his disciples while they were fighting at the Passover feast about who would be the greatest and where they would sit on the right hand of God and how close their sit, their seat would be to Jesus just served. You want to show your friends Jesus and you don't know how? Serve them. Love them right where they are. Love them. Just love them. Just love them. Love them so much that that they may make you want to punch a hole in the wall. Love them so much right there where they are. You want to be Jesus to them because you know what? Even when we were sinners, Jesus still died for us. He loved us. He loved us enough that he was there. So if we want to see change in our life and change in those around us and we're planning for it, love people right where they are. And we'll not only live out the word that is in James 1, we won't be walking around looking in a mirror and saying, that doesn't apply to me. 
Because when we do that, we just tell the world that Jesus isn't enough. And we all know that he is. So in this moment, I've asked you about your next step. Maybe you've got a relationship with Jesus. And right now there's something pulling at you. It's not me judging. It's not me convicting you. That's the Holy Spirit working in you, telling you about that last next step, probably reminding you about that. And I would say, let's pray and let's talk about that today. We'll pray about that at the end. But some of you right now, you're watching online or you're, you're here in the house, and the next step that Jesus has called you to take is a step into a relationship with him. 1 Thessalonians 5 says it this way, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. Think about that. God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. God did not appoint us to suffer the wrath of our sin. He doesn't want us to suffer the wrath of our sins, but we have a choice to make. We have a next step to make. And what is that next step? Receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. In other words, the loveless and the homeless have a home in eternity with Christ because he loved us enough to live the life we couldn't live, die the death we deserved for our sins on the cross, but loved us enough that we're not going to stay dead. He rose again on the third day so that we can have life and have it to the full, not just be walking around like a bunch of zombies, hopeless and helpless and loveless, but have life, show the world different be a light in the darkness. He came so that we can have life. And all of a sudden, when we have that, isn't it crazy the change that happens? So today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, we come to this moment. This is why we do what we do at the vine. It's no other reason is to point people to Jesus. If you don't hear anything else I say today, right now you may feel like your heart's beating out of your chest. You may feel like something's missing. When you look back over your life, you look at the change you've tried to make. You look at all the good that you've done, and it feels like it's not good enough. And I want to ask you, have you ever accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Because nothing, nothing will last without him. Nothing will change for you without him. God loves you enough that he made a way for you to have life. He doesn't want you walking around in in death. He doesn't want you walking around in wrath. He doesn't want you walking around trying to fix it on your own because he's already fixed it. All you have to do is take the next step and receive him as your Lord and Savior. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, we're about to say a prayer. It's not the words of this prayer that saves you. It's the faith that you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that he is who he says he is. So we pray out loud together for the benefit of those who are receiving by faith Jesus for the first time. So everyone, repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe I deserve death for my sin, but you love me enough to live the life I couldn't live died the death that I deserve on the cross but loved me enough not to stay dead but rose again on the third day so that I may have life come take over my life teach me to follow you step by step the best way I know how With every head bow and every eye closed, if you're watching online or you're in this house today, I just want to tell you, if you, for the first time, received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. You're going to have ways to communicate with us online. You're going to have ways to communicate with us in this house. But if you received by faith Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. 
that's you, and you have given your life to Christ, don't let today go by. We have people who want to get resources in your hands, who want to walk with you step by step that literally just love you right where you are. No expectation, but we're going to ask you, what's Jesus telling you to do? We want to celebrate with you. So if that's you, let us know. If you can't comment online, whatever you're doing, reach out to us at hello at thevine.tv. We would love, love, love to connect with you. And for everyone else, uh, if you want to go ahead, you can stand up for me, and then I'll pray for us as we have this last song. I just want to say, as we get ready to have this worship, I just want us to be reminded who Jesus says we are. I want us to be reminded who he created us to be. I want us to speak life, but also live the life he created us to live. And we can only do that by welcoming his word in our life. By understanding, by putting it into practice, we're not only serving consistently, but when we do that, we honestly can watch our tongue. Holla at your boy. So if you're struggling with anything today, don't let today go by without talking to somebody about it. We're going to pray about it, but seriously, you got people here that love you right where you are, and I know the fearful thing is, man, God called me to take that next step two years ago, and, and I don't even know what to think if I don't take it today. And if I tell anybody about it, oh, man. No, telling somebody about it means that I'm going to walk with you step by step through it. Not here to judge you, not here to convict you, but love you through taking that next step. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to ask you in this moment of worship to remember who Jesus says you are. Dear Jesus, thank you for this time together. Thank you that you allow us to come into your house each and every week. Jesus, we don't deserve any of this, but because of your grace, we get to live it out. Jesus, uh, there's nothing we could do that could ever be good enough for you. But you somehow, somehow, in your grace and mercy, somehow, let us see you move. Thank you for saving us, Lord. In this moment, I pray that we would just be reminded who you say we are. I pray that whatever that next step is we might be struggling with, that we would have boldness to know, just like that child with that teddy bear. Whatever you're calling us to do, you've got something greater in store. May we take the information you've given us today in your word. May we apply it to our lives. And Jesus, see the transformation you want us to have because we are being all you created us to be. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. His love for me. Who the sun sets free, always oh, free indeed. I'm a child. Yes, he died for 
there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for So, hey, man, how about that, y'all? Like, for real, for real. I just want you to remember who God says you are, because sometimes I know I struggle who God says I am. But I have to go back to 1 Thessalonians to be reminded, God did not create me to suffer wrath. And through Christ Jesus, I get to have life. I'm not loveless and homeless anymore. I know where I'm going, because he first loved me. And so as I show his love to the world, man, the change that's happened in me and the change that's happened around me, exponential exponential so as we try to be new this year just be reminded of that so as we link up to pray here at the end we know we do that as a family i'm just going to pray for those next steps and i'm going to pray again for boldness i don't know what jesus is telling you to do i can tell you in my life you've heard my story and you'll hear even more uh, i can tell you times that i've delayed obedience and all i did was miss out on great blessing I still did it, but I missed out on the blessing and the relationships in between. And so that's what I'm going to pray for you for boldness today, to be all who God created you to be. So, dear Jesus, thank you for this time again. Thank you for coming to this earth and bringing heaven to earth, giving us hope, giving us a home, letting us know what love really is. It's not a feeling. It's, it's not something that, that, that only when certain people are in our lives we can, we can have. It's unconditional, unmerited favor of God, love, grace that comes from you. So, Jesus, today, whatever next step you've called us to take, Jesus, give us the boldness to do it. We'd never, you never promised us it would be easy. 
But you did promise us that it would be full of blessing because it's for your glory and for our good that you've called us to be all you made us to be. So today, Jesus, whatever we're struggling with, hey, maybe we're struggling with believing that we are loved. Remind us that we're not homeless or loveless if we have you in our life, Jesus. We have all that we need. So today, as we get to go out, take the information you've given us, let us apply it by loving you and loving others like never before, Jesus. And let's see the world change for your glory and our good. We love you, Lord. It's your name we pray. Amen. Come join us next week as we talk about protecting your progress and wrap up our series new. Have an awesome week.